Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurt, joined by Crackle and Pop over here, Cody Roadcap, Tyler Snyder in the house. How you guys doing here going into week five? Doing good. Hopefully I'm not as boring as that cereal that you just referenced us as, but or the show won't be as boring. Yeah, but you know what this show is? This show is the marshmallow that makes Rice Krispies uh, so delicious. That's what this is. We are a big Rice Krispie treat. Um, man, my jokes are getting as bad as George's now. This is bad. Um, if you guys are listening to the podcast, maybe turn it off or just fast forward till we get to the actual football stuff. But um, these jokes are, are killing us. But no, I'm doing pretty good. Um, Titans beat the Colts. Uh, Colts Couch suck. Sweep. I just, just want to say, oh yeah, back-to-back Couch GM sweeps. Um, F the Colts. Anybody out there that's a Colts fan, I'm sorry. Um, it's a good week. Yes, but I, I just at the least appreciate your positivity over Cody's. This is a boring cereal to yours. We are the marshmallow. I mean, I will let that joke go now. But uh, covered in today's show, we're going to hit some NFL news and notes. We're going to do my favorite segment, Quotes of the Week. We're going to dive into the waiver wire. We're going to talk some more trades with some buy low, sell high. And we are going to preview the Thursday night football game for week five. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com, our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at thecouchgms, and join our Discord chat. The link is in the description of the video or podcast you are watching. All right, guys, let's jump into NFL news. Is my intro at the end now fast enough that I could be a car salesman, or am I not quite there yet? Mm, still needs work. Okay, get we're getting there. Far. We're getting there. But let's just jump in here to NFL news where we have to start off talking about Tua again because we did mention on our show on Thursday, we recorded Thursday, released Friday. Um, he suffered a concussion concussion in the Thursday night football game. Uh, he is out indefinitely at least for week five. Um, and we are now completely unsure if he actually passed concussion protocol in week three properly or not. The NFL fired the independent neurologist that was working with the Dolphins during that protocol in week three. There's word the NFL may be implementing a rule that states if a player demonstrates any form of instability after a hit, they'll be automatically ruled out for a game. This has turned into a lot more serious issue than it did when we last talked about this last week. Yeah, I mean, concussions are serious. They need to be looked at. I'm, You know, it's good for the NFL to take a you know, harder look into it. And we kind of saw another interesting thing on Sunday night football two days ago when Cameron Brait got hit. Uh, he laid on the ground for a little bit. He walked off to the sideline, but he didn't go into the blue tent. He came back for a few plays and then he wasn't able to come back out for halftime because he was in concussion protocol. So you have to ask, why was he back out on the field in just a few plays? Why wasn't he further evaluated? Um, but at the end of the day, all this is important, but I do just want to wish to a, a quick and fast recovery that was a nasty hit uh especially the way they his fingers locked up and all that so hopefully Tua recovers and the nfl gets better for it in the long run yeah absolutely um it really makes things look even sketchier because not only was Tua able to come back into the game the first time and we were kind of sketched out by that but then they do an investigation into it and they're like, oh yeah, he's, he's fine. It was handled properly. And now they're looking into it yet again. It makes you wonder, was it done right the first time, but also was the investigation into it done properly? So lots of moving pieces here. Um, could definitely be sketchy, but concussions aren't something to play with. I feel like when they first introduced the independent neurologist, you saw a lot of plays where, they would stop the play and they'd be like, this player needs to come out for one play for evaluation. And you would see it and people were getting pulled. If they showed any kind of signs of a concussion, the guy up in the booth was pulling them off. I feel like it's really rare to see that now. Uh, I feel like they've gotten away from it a little bit. Not sure why. Uh, not sure if there's complaints about stopping the game or what was going on, but health is the most important thing. So hopefully we get back to it. I do feel like I've heard that happen a few times, but I think, Maybe it's not as noticeable because they're doing it faster. Um, I mean, it, it's possible. I, I still feel like there might have been a downtick and people pulled out of games, but I think they're doing it faster now to the point where we're not noticing as much, which if that's the case, that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point. Um, but, you know, I think everyone is, I don't want to say tired of it because it's a very serious topic, uh, but we're all 
reaching our limit on the Tua and the concussion talk. We just have to wait and see what comes out of it. And again, hope that Tua has a full recovery. Um, but, you know, talking about changes and things happening quicker than we expected, the Steelers, after three and a half weeks, are moving on from Mitch Trubisky and headed to rookie Kenny Pickett. If you had the over on three and a half weeks, you lost. If you had the under, congrats, you won. I think I had that backwards. You guys can correct me if I was wrong. Um, it is interesting to me, like, Kenny Pickett didn't look that much better than Trubisky, in my opinion, when I watched the game. What were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't look um, that much better. I mean, he had the two rushing touchdowns, but he had the three interceptions. And, like, you can kind of erase the interception, the third one that he threw, because it was a Hail Mary trying to win the game. But um, outside of that, like, I really don't think he's been – I don't think he looked that impressive where, like, he needs to be the starter. But I, I think it's more of a, you know, once you make the decision to bench your starter – it's already going to be in his head. The fan base is already going to have some kind of mentality. They're going to be ready for that change. I feel like once you bench your starter mid game, you kind of have to move forward with the backup or especially if it's a rookie. Um, maybe that's just me, but you know, again, Trubisky wasn't setting the world on fire this season. Um, about a 60% completion percentage, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, it's not spectacular, but it's really not that bad. I mean, if he would have came out here and he would have thrown like, you know, six interceptions and only one touchdown or something like that, then okay, I, I get it. Like bench him, move on. But he was keeping the Steelers in games. Every game they lost was close. I mean, you lost by 12 to the Browns, but that's your biggest margin of defeat. That's it's kind of weird to me. Yeah, I think now it's a situation of you went from Trubisky, who, yeah, he's never going to be the most impressive quarterback, but he's going to take care of the ball for the most part to keep you in games. Like you said, Pickett now, especially at this point in his development, where he was definitely among those quarterbacks, even though he was the first one drafted, that we thought they all needed time to sit there, learn systems, learn the speed of the NFL. He's getting thrown into the fire very early in that, you know, learning process. He's going to be very boomer bust. He could show a lot of really good things in the next few weeks, but throw just as many interceptions as touchdowns. And like, really it could end up hurting his development. If he hurts his own mentality of like, I don't know if I can do this now, which is why the turnover on quarterbacks in today's NFL is so much faster than it used to be in the past. What the Packers are doing with Jordan love is what you're used to seeing in the past. And now all these guys are getting thrown in and a lot, there's a lot of turnover at the quarterback position on guys that I think could benefit from sitting back and learning, but never get the opportunity. I mean, obviously we're a fantasy football podcast. So the biggest thing we need to look at is fantasy impact. Um, so Deontay Johnson was kind of really the only receiver we were willing to start before. Um, of course you were starting Najee Harris. If you have him, even though he's been kind of disappointing this year, um, Cody, is there any changes with any players on the Steelers up or down because of the quarterback change? Yeah, I think there there is. We're going to talk about uh, one of those guys uh, when we do our waiver wire segment, um, especially this week. We and that guy would be George Pickens. Uh, we saw him get a lot of targets, uh, but I wonder how much of that is George Pickens kind of is like the number one wide receiver in the second team offense. So that's was the guy he was the most practiced to. Now that he's going to get those full starter reps will we start to see the Deontay Johnson come back? And I think that's where we're going to be. I think Deontay Johnson is still going to be the guy we're going to be starting most weeks. But I think the the big increase of anyone is going to be Pat Fryermuth. We're going to start to see what we saw last year with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Pat Fryermuth has been up and down. He hasn't been that big play guy, hasn't been the touchdown guy. Um, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is going to make this offense turn into a top 10 offense by any means, but I think Pat Fryermuth is going to be the biggest uptick with the quarterback change. I'm with you, and I'll save more of the Pickens talk for uh, later when we talk about waivers. But, yeah, I, I really also hope that this brings up Fryermuth because the, the tight end position has been so rough. Um, if there's nothing you have to add, Tyler, we can move on to some injury news from the week. Uh, so we'll start off in Denver where, sadly, Javante Williams' season is over as he tore his ACL and LCL in that game. And in fantasy, we now look at a starter who is Melvin Gordon, who has fumbled five times in his last I think it was 42 or 44 carries 44. 
that is either way is absolutely insane and very concerning even though you could have had you know him on your bench and fell into a starting running back yeah i think melvin gordon's gonna be fine i think he's gonna figure out the fumbling issues um i honestly think melvin gordon's had some pretty decent fumbling issues his entire career but his skill has been able to kind of negate that and keep him on the field um i think he'll be fine uh personally i would not be rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Mike Boone. I mean, as a safety net kind of thing, like sure, but Gordon's going to have to be the guy. He's got the most talent there. He's the pass catcher. He's the rusher. We've seen what he can do with Javante Williams there. And now with Williams out, you need to be able to turn to somebody. Um, But I would not be surprised to see the Broncos kind of try to look elsewhere. Um, Maybe it's a running back on free agency. Maybe they trade for a backup running back somewhere else. Um, but I would not be surprised to see the Broncos go and snag another running back. Two I mean, names that's a gr- heard floating, actually, were Kareem Hunt and Alexander Madison. See, I don't know if they're going to make that big of a move. Well, I was going to say I agree with yeah. they might look elsewhere. Um, but a guy you might that you probably won't ever talk about in fantasy, but like a guy like Patrick Taylor, he's on the Packers practice squad, and that's where he's worked with Nathaniel Hackett the last two years in Green Bay. So he kind of has kind of idea. He's a more of a power back. He'd be a complimentary. So we'll, that would be the kind of move that I think that the Broncos might make if they wanted to go elsewhere, or maybe they just, I mean, they already were getting Mike Boone involved coming into before the injury, the last two weeks. So maybe they're confident with Gordon and Boone and they'll just ride it out. Um, but, you know, another running back did go down this week, Cordero Patterson. He was questionable coming into the week. He still played and now he's, ended up getting a knee procedure procedure. Wow. I can't speak today. And he's headed to the IR. So they're hoping to get him back in those four weeks. But uh, those are two other, there's another guy, Tyler Algier. He's probably at the top of the waiver wires for most people. Again, it's not a great waiver wire period, which we'll talk about, um, but instant reactions to the quarter Patterson news. I mean, it hurts. Patterson was one of the better running backs all of last year or as George likes to say, one of the better receivers playing running back mm-hmm. of all of last year. I mean, look, the guy was consistent. Last year, he broke out one week, and people didn't rush to the waiver wire to pick him up. And then he broke out a second week, and people still didn't pick him up on the waiver wire because they didn't believe in him. Then he broke out a third week, and we're like, all right, fine, we'll pick you up. And by week six or seven of him doing it, we were all like, okay, he has to be in your lineup. And I can say from experience, like I tried trading Patterson in some leagues last year after his breakout and everyone was like, I don't want Patterson. Like he's not going to keep this up, (laughs) but you know what? He did. He kept it up all year. And then coming into this year, preseason, I mean, Patterson was late in the draft. He was a a late round snag and you were like, eh, I don't feel confident with it. And people were like, "Eh, yeah, I'm not taking Patterson. He's definitely not going to do it. But look, all he did was come out and prove us wrong again, be a dominant fantasy asset uh, heavily used in the passing game and run game. He's been great. He's been a guy that it's gotten to the point where it's like you have to have him in your lineup. He's a top 10 running back this year. Um, so it's a huge loss. It's an absolute huge loss. I mean, it's one of the guys that is able to fill in because we talk about all the top running backs this year struggling. Um, and then there's some other running backs like David Montgomery that have gone down with injuries. So you've needed guys like Patterson to step in. So um, this one's not going to get a whole bunch of media attention, but I think this is one of the bigger fantasy injuries we've seen so far this year. Yeah, I still really find it hard to be like, yeah, Corderell Patterson's going to come back and just jump right into that role again. Yeah, he has been effective, but when is he going to stop? Because like he sputtered down the stretch. I loved Corderell Patterson last year. I was one of the few people that was jumping on that bandwagon, like you finally did there too. But I just didn't see it being repeated this year. I'm wrong, but I'm still going to stick to my guns that like I'm worried even when he comes back. But there's no denying that if you drafted this guy late, you had a steal. You had a guy who was reliable for you for three and a half weeks. And it's unfortunate he's out now for at least four. For sure. And we got two more injuries that we'll hit real quick before we get into our next segment. Uh, Brian Hoyer was already backing up Mac Jones. He left the game with a concussion. So third string, fourth round pick Bailey Zappy, which is Zappy. It's a great last name. Uh, He came in, he, he played well in a competitive matchup against the Packers. 
Um, and then other rookie Traylon Burks is dealing with turf toe, which is the injury that always sounds like, what do you mean you have turf toe? That doesn't sound like, but that's like an actual tear in your toe ligament. So it's very serious, very painful. Uh, and he'll miss a few weeks. Uh, Tyler might be able to correct me, but I don't think they've placed him on IR, IR yet because they're still trying to figure that one out. No, I mean, there's a chance that he's back after only missing two games. And if he's able to come back at that point, then there's no point putting him on IR. Um, from what I've heard so far, the reason they'd consider IR is to give him extra rest, um, extra time to make sure he's good and heal up. Um, it looks like there is talks that he'd be able to return before what the IR would put him at. So they're not sure what they're going to do right there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Gordon called up off the practice squad and signed to the active roster. He has been called up um, on game days a few times, but guys, just for a quick second, I mean, Traylon Burks fantasy wise, not huge. Um, He was really starting to break out in the first two weeks, showing some big flashes and then kind of stopped being used right after Tannehill made a comment saying, I feel like Burks is on the verge of a breakout and like a huge game. And then they basically just stopped using him. Um, <laughs> but one quick second, man, I want to talk about the way this injury was handled. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Titans fan, obviously. So I hate bashing my own team, but we talked about injuries earlier, not being handled properly with concussions, but just because it's not a concussion, any injury is still a serious injury. If it's causing you to limp excessively, or if you notice a person is injured, why would you keep them in uh, Traylon Burks? hurt his foot and goes down can barely stand up. And instead of stopping the play, replacing him, taking an injury timeout, uh, it wasn't even within two minutes. So they didn't have to waste the timeout. They decided to keep him on the field for one more play, which was a crucial third and five play. And he ended up hopping on one foot, the whole play, trying to get himself open still. Like, why wouldn't you just replace the guy? I don't know. Questionable handling of the injury there. Yeah, I mean, I did see the play, and it did look like Burks hobbled back to the huddle. Like, he didn't try to pull himself out you know, or anything like that. So, obviously, there's people in the sky that might need to shut that down. But he got up. He hobbled to the huddle. So, I think that was just him trying to push through it, and then he quickly realized he couldn't. Um, so, you would hope, hope that next time, if he's in that much pain, he would continue to stay down and not make you play 10 on 11 on a big third down. Yeah, I mean, it's just we've seen stuff like that before where people try to stay in because they feel like they're healthy enough to keep going and the coaches want to take a look at them, so they pull them out. Or, I mean, how often do you see a quarterback just purposely stay on the field on a fourth down because he's deciding they're going for it and the coach is like, no, get off the field. Like, the coach still has a chance to override that and the coach should have overrided that. And I just hope that, you know, outside of the Titans, I hope that a lot of teams kind of look at these and, you see a player limping that bad or really hurt and they try to keep themselves in the game. Like unless it's like a massive play in a really, really key game, like take the guy out, make sure he's okay. You don't want to lose him long-term because he pushes it and aggravates it. The only reason I'll say like, yeah, I could see like, you know, the situation where like the player didn't try to stay on the coach. I do remember a time from, I think it was the week two Thursday night football game with the chiefs and the chargers where there was a goal line play inside the two-minute warning. Gerald Everett tried to go off the field. The coaches waved him to stay back on, and that was the play that Justin Herbert threw the pick six to the Chiefs because he tried to target Everett, who obviously was not in a position to be on the field at that point. So I'm with you. I've seen it once or twice, and I think especially after this concussion thing, we might have to see if something changes in that format. Well, I think we need to make a clear distinction that the Gerald Everett was – he was tired. He was not there. So it wasn't like they were trying to push him through an injury or anything like that. Not saying it wasn't the right call. Like they outsmarted themselves trying to go fast. Obviously mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020. Um, and I, and I do, th- and in his case, he at least tried to wave himself out where, you know, back mm-hmm. to, we're still talking about Traylon Burks. He got up and he went to the huddle. Like he might've hobbled there, but how many, we see players, you know, get up limp and shake it off and they're fine too. So, Obviously, when you see the aftermath where he has to hop on one leg to run around, you're like, why is he even in there? But there has to be some player accountability, too, just just like with concussions. Like, they have to also be, you know, your head kind of hurts. You need to report it. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's a lot. We all have that competitive nature, and they have it 10 times more than any of us do sitting on the couch being GMs of our fantasy team. 
but like it's hard to pull yourself out or hard not to to be out there with your guys who work so hard for us. So hopefully we just start to see a little bit more player safety emphasis from both the NFL, the coaches and the players. Agreed. And I know we could probably talk about this the rest of the night. So I think we have to move on to our next segment and that's quotes of the week. Coach of the Week actually starts off in that Titans-Colts game where uh, post-game Naheem Hines, the now potentially starting running back for the Colts this week, was talking about their slow start and their loss. And he said, not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have growing pains while sitting here and watching Tennessee, which has had Tannehill, what, my whole career? And each year we're missing, we're restarting and we have to turn the page. So we'll just like rewind this back really fast to the offseason where we said the Colts don't want to put a bandaid on the quarterback position. And then they go out there and trade for yet another veteran quarterback. Who's only going to be there for a year or two. And now we look at players who are actually upset about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, I know I always bring things back to the Titans, but it reminds me of the Titans when they had Marcus Mariota and all four of his first four years of the Titans, they had a new offensive coordinator. Like, he just never seemed to get set. He just never seemed to get comfortable because they're changing it all the time. And, you know, they say the quarterback is one of the biggest pieces on the football team. He is the leader. He is, you know, the general on the field. Um, And you change out that quarterback every year. Even if you're running the same plays and the same scheme, you still have a different guy throwing the ball. That's a whole new chemistry you have to build. That's a whole new play style you have to learn around. And, you know, continuing to band-aid the position, it's just not going to do it. And, I heard plenty of people saying the Colts are going to win the division. The Colts might even win the Super Bowl because they have Matt Ryan. Like, can we finally say that maybe, maybe Matt Ryan's not that spectacular anymore at this point in his career? Like, have we seen enough yet? I mean, you're going to get irritated. I'm not going to rule out because we've seen the Colts do this before with all the main quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, I mean, Phillip Rivers did it. Carson Wentz did it. Heck, Jacoby Brissett did it like they start out one and four and then they're right there in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe this will finally be the year. Matt Ryan just can't pull it together. I mean, they lost by seven to the Titans. They got shut out by the Jags and they tied the Texans. That is three awful performances, but they also beat the Chiefs. So it is such a hard team to gauge any given Sunday. Matt Ryan, hey, he's not he's not going to be putting up a bunch of points, but if they can, you know, get healthy, get Jonathan Taylor back, get their offensive line healthy, get these receivers healthy because they were already limited at the receiver position. They might actually do something, or maybe he just will help them be in a position to draft a quarterback. Cause we have to look back to last year, the off season too. Like it was Matt Ryan, Trubisky who just got benched Carson Wentz, who they traded. Like those are the quarterbacks on the move. So it wasn't like a huge upgrade either way. We all thought they should have just rode with Carson Wentz for another year. They didn't, um, and they went this route. So we'll have to see if it works out in the end. But the early signs, to Tyler's point, are definitely like, okay, Matt Ryan might be done. So we're going to talk about DK Metcalf, who was carted to the locker room, and people got concerned. What is this about? No word. And he had to take a poop. And he put on Twitter after it, the video of him, he's like, that clinch walk wouldn't have made it. And all I got to say is decaf, decaf, DK Metcalf. We've all been there. And if you're saying you haven't been there, you're lying. Amen. That was the most relatable quote of the week. And honestly, absolutely hilarious. But now his, his name is also decaf. So you did not make a mistake there, but it's so relatable. For sure. Uh, another one that kind of came off of Twitter and our last two quotes are about the Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Buccaneers game we'll start with the Twitter one because if you haven't seen by now uh do you even pay attention to anything sports because I feel like the Patrick Mahomes little shovel pass to Clyde Edwards Alaire has been played all over Sports Center, NFL Network ESPN Twitter TikTok all of them since it happened and if you didn't also see Bridia was a little shaken up after one of the sacks so he took the Twitter after the game and said time for a little recovery on this shoulder and a few hours of film to figure out how Pat flicked that TD pass. George, I, why don't you go ahead? Go ahead. I was gonna say, why don't you tie it into what Travis Kelsey had to say, and then we can just talk about Patrick Mahomes in general. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I my jaw just dropped open. Like, how the heck did CEH get that ball? I thought he was, like, on the ground already and the ball was in his hands. Travis Kelsey must have also thought the same thing because in his post-game press conference, he said, quote, the NFL hasn't seen anything like Mahomes. I promise you that. You saw it today. He's the Houdini of our era. And that was my thoughts exactly when I was watching that play in the moment. So Travis Kelsey is just a fan like the rest of us as he's watching Mahomes do some magic on the field. Yeah, that was definitely an impressive play. Patrick Mahomes has been impressive since he got the starting job, and he continues every year to have a throw or two that goes, how did he do that? I mean, he's not the inventor of the no-look pass. We've seen other guys do it 10 years before he did, but the media thinks it was him. You know, he threw the ball left-handed on a Thursday or Sunday night game against the Broncos on a critical third down. He made he made that play. He just goes out there and make plays. And obviously, everyone knows I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and I've always said that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented passer I've ever personally seen. Now, granted, I'm only in my mid-20s, so there was a lot of great throwers of the football that I didn't get the, the privilege to see. Um and I think Patrick Mahomes is closely encroaching him. If you go back and look, Rodgers has a lot of great plays, but Patrick Mahomes al- almost gives me the vibe of, and I hate doing player comparisons, so the fact that I'm doing this is kind of funny. He also he, he gives me Aaron Rodgers combined with Brett Favre, except somehow nobody catches his interceptions. He has like the most dropped interceptions <laughs> in league history. Yeah. So it, it doesn't show up in the stat book, but like he has that like, unique arm angle the the arm talent but he has that like gunslinger run around throw around that Brett Favre had too uh so he's almost like both Packers quarterbacks combined in a way so the joke I was going to make was like oh he knows when there's going to be about an interception on a play so he throws a little like bit of a knuckle on that ball so it's harder to catch but in reality, maybe it's just the fact that he can zip it in there so fast that a defensive back who's not expecting to be in position for a pick makes it so much harder to catch as opposed to his receiver who's expecting it can get that ball. Maybe that's something about what it is, but his arm talent is really honestly, I would say exceeds Aaron Rodgers, especially at this point in his career. Aaron Rodgers in his prime was elite and like, you know, recency bias can get in that. Um, But it's just like the idea of like, he can throw from the multiple platforms. He can throw it left-handed, the no look thing. Like Rodgers was, could get a ball in any window that you could see, but it just looks more impressive when you have a guy who can do it off all these platforms, sidearm, as opposed to Rogers, who was always super technically sound. See, I'm going to have to send you some videos. Okay. Because, because he is the, the, again, I don't want to say inventor because I mean, heck Steve Young did it. John Elway did it. They all threw from different platforms, but I'm going to have to send you like a thread of video of touchdowns that didn't ca- count because of penalties or something like that. They were just mind blowing. Throws one even happened in Kansas City three years ago when he hit Jamal Williams somehow in the back of the end zone falling down. So, like, there's definitely some great videos. And I could for sure talk about Aaron (laughs) Rodgers all day. I could talk about Patrick Mahomes all day. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. Um, I've been on that bandwagon since he he got into the league. Uh, So it's not like I'm just rooting for him. And I think we're going to be blessed to see a lot of great quarterback play for years to come. But Tyler's not quite back yet, but we're going to go ahead and jump into week three, waiver wire. George, you didn't update the rundown. It's week five. We didn't go back two weeks. It is, in fact, week five. I got you. I updated the rundown everywhere except for there, and I got him. He got me last week, if you don't remember, on the uh, buy high, sell low. So I got him back. I didn't even know he was going to be the one that was reading that, but it worked. Uh, If you guys remember, on thecouchgms.com, I write a waiver wire column every single week. So I will will go through the guys that are in my column. We can talk about them a little bit if you want to, especially because the waiver wire is starting to get thinner. We're going to have to probably, you know, talk a little more about these guys on my column. Uh, So this week I've got Detroit quarterback Jared Goff. Tyler Algier for the Atlanta Falcons, who is now taking over Corderell Patterson. Uh, he was down in our others to talk about. I put him in the column this week, Brian Robinson for Washington, because he still has not been more added. And he has a chance to be a starting running back coming back next week. Like he probably won't jump into hundred percent of carries right away, but that guy shouldn't be sitting on your waiver wire. Um, Naheem Hines, who we talked about with Jonathan Taylor being hurt. He could be a starter on Thursday. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 
who I think I might have jumped on in the waiver wire column one week early, but his ownership did bump a little bit. He now is getting the lead back carries in Miami. Uh, Romeo Dobbs for Green Bay, who Cody can agree or disagree to. Uh, George Pickens, we talked about a little earlier with Pittsburgh, who got a bump when Kenny Pickett came in the game. And my streaming defense of the week is the Tennessee Titans. Tyler, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Sorry I missed quotes of the week. Um, by the way, I'll throw one more quote in there. RG3 said on Twitter that a- Antonio Brown showed more D today than the Seahawks and Lions did. So shout out to RG3. Um, what? Making some very questionable tweets. <laughs> Cody obviously didn't see the uh, reason why RG3 tweeted that. So I'm not. we're not going to retweet that one on our Twitter, but we'll let you guys do some research to figure out why that one was said. Cody, you, you included. <laughs> yeah, apparently I, I was not prepared. Um, but we got to we got to help our fans and our listeners get prepared uh, this week. Um, so let's talk about the waiver wire article, George. We we've mentioned it. You you wrote it. Not a lot of great options. Who would you say is the top option this week? Who you be spending the most fab dollars on if you're in a fab league? Who's your number one target? Part of this is still my. Uh inability to believe Corderell Patterson can do it for a full season. Plus the fact that he's hurt for at least four weeks. I think Tyler Algier is my top waiver guy this week because he, like he said, he's going to be a starting running back for four weeks. And then beyond that, I think if he plays well, he has a chance to carve a role for the long term. There's still the chance that Patterson takes it all back, but I still have a hard time believing it. I think if you get Algier or if you get Brian Robinson, you're looking pretty solid. And I think George Pickens is another guy that like, if you're looking for wide receiver more than running back, another solid guy. I think any of those three guys are good waiver pickups. I mean, I think Brian Robinson should have been owned this whole time, but it depends on how your leagues are set up. If you can put people on an IR spot, if you can't fix it in the off season with your commissioner. Um, but really, I don't think you have, you have a bad pick there. And the thing I'll mention about Algier real quick is This past week, Marcus Mariota threw an interception in the third quarter. After that interception in the third quarter, the Falcons said, we're done throwing the ball. They ran the ball 14 consecutive times after that. (laughs) They flat out said, that's it, we're done, we're running it. And they ended up scoring a game-winning touchdown on the drive that they did 14 consecutive runs. So if they're starting to lose trust in Mariota and Ritter is not ready to go yet, then you're going to see more running. And if Patterson's not there, that means an uptick for Algier. I don't think it's a bad pick. Even if Patterson does come back, you might see Algier get more of the rushing downs and Patterson get more of the receiving downs. So um, I really don't think that's a bad pickup. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw out one name too. kind of goes with Tyler Algier. If you're not, if you're in a fab league, you're going to go after Algier. But if you're already spent a lot of your fab money or you're a late waiver wire, um, a name to also consider is their other running back, Caleb Huntley. He was on the practice squad, but he was the corresponding move for Patterson to going on IR. He was called up and he had the same amount of carries as Algier did in against the Browns. They both had 10 carries on the day. Um, Algier had an 8.4 yards per carry, which is actually fantastic. But Caleb Huntley still had 5.6, and he was the one that got the touchdown to conclude that 14 play or 14 straight runs uh, drive. So that is like a sneaky name. He's owned in less than 1% of leagues. So I think he's definitely worth an ad. See what happens with the split this week. And he might be a guy that you don't even have to spend any fab on while you let the rest of your league mates go out and bid over Tyler Algier. Agreed. I did not include him on the article because I think Algier is going to end up being the guy with the more carries in the split, but it's definitely worth a speculative ad because we don't know they're both rookies. You know, speaking uh, of rookies. Oh, I get- yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that's enough for the um, waiver wire article. If you really want to hear more, you can always go into the couchgms.com, read our article. Um, but there are some other guys that you can go target. Um, Cody, you got any mentions? Yeah, I was actually going to, real quick, I'm going to hit on some rookies, so I'm going to tie back into the article. George Pickens and Romeo Dobbs, they're definitely worth adding this week. Uh, But one name uh, to watch is Jamison Williams. He is now eligible to come off of PUP. He's probably already owned in your league if you have an IR spot, but if he's not, you might want to start thinking about can you pick him up, can you not, Um, especially this week because we're still – 
this is the last week until bye week start. So you tend to have an extra roster spot or something like that. So maybe pick him up this week to try to get ahead of the curve. Um, it'll be interesting. He was a high draft pick. We'll see how quick he gets accumulated back to playing. Um, but Jameson Williams is a guy only owned in 10% of league. So he might not be ready for a few more weeks, uh, but that window is now open for him to come off a of PUP. Yeah. And dead are the days of let's not pick up a lion. Like let's get real. We had, everybody was injured for the lions. We were saying, don't start any lions. They're going to suck because everyone's hurt. Like, their big playmakers were injured, everybody except for TJ Hawkinson. And they still put up 45 points in the game. The Lions are, I don't know if they're the highest scoring offense. I feel like they are, but they're they at are. least up there. Are they? You so like, they're actually the three. highest scoring offense and the highest points allowed defense at the same time. Which is heartbreaking if you're a Lions <laughs> fan. As a fantasy fan, it makes Lions games so much more interesting. Because you can play anybody who goes against the Lions, but... If it's going to be a shootout every game, you mean you can play your Lions every week as well because they're going to be getting the points. So this is exciting stuff as fantasy fans. Like these Lions players are becoming very interesting. Agreed. And I've heard a lot of people going out there trying to chase fantasy points with Josh Reynolds, who was the receiver playing wide receiver one since Amra St. Brown was out. Jameson Williams isn't back yet. This offense is really good, but... Josh Reynolds is not going to be the first target once those guys come back. You still have TJ Hawkinson. He'll probably be the third wide receiver, fourth target, maybe even fifth because DeAndre Swift didn't play either. Like, maybe add Josh Reynolds in case there's some guys out next week. There's still a chance Amra doesn't play, Jamison Williams doesn't play next week. Josh Reynolds, fantastic play. But don't go out there spending all your fab on him. Don't go out there trying to use your first waiver priority on him just because is a good chance that he ends up not even being fantasy relevant for even that one week. Yeah. I'm going to just play devil's advocate for you into he's definitely worth the ad. Cause we don't know about Amra St. Brown, mm-hmm. but Josh Reynolds has put up 11 plus points in three of the four weeks. So he's been doing it even when Amra was lighting it up. Now, do you expect the lions to continue this high powered offense? Will they eventually come back to earth? Then you might see a downtick. Um, but especially now with the questionable marks around Amra and what he did, even with Amra, I do think he is, you know, at least a solid bench piece, even once Amra comes out or comes back, not out. Look, with Amra St. Brown not playing, with DeAndre Swift not playing, with Jamison Williams still on the IR to start the season, the Lions still went out there and put up big points with receivers that you don't expect. So if they're able to do that with receivers you don't expect, Think about it. Swift is going to come back. Jamison Williams is coming back. Amra St. Brown will be back. All of this, tying back into the article, is big news for Jared Goff. Uh, say what you will about him. I know I got took some heat last year for saying I didn't think Goff was that much worse than Stafford and um, just saying Jared Goff MVP. But, um, no, he's putting up points, and he's doing it without his best receivers. So if his best receivers are coming back, he's just going to have an uptick. TJ Hawkinson is coming alive. Um, And you got to think about, you know, the Lions still do have the worst defense in the NFL. They're giving up the most points. If they're falling behind in games, they got to keep throwing it to stay in the game. They're not going to be able to just run, run, run. They can't, that's not them. They can't do it. So it means Jared Goff is going to get big points. I think that he is a, solid fantasy quarterback to pick up especially with a lot of quarterbacks being inconsistent or disappointing but uh look at jared goff on the waiver wire yeah this is more lions talk like cody said than i ever expect us to have this season even though i expect them to make a jump they are a fun team for fantasy and one of those teams now you almost want to have a piece of like a bills offense and etc but i know we've been literally skipping over this name on the rundown but we have to talk about him mike boone So like we said, Javante Williams is out for the season. We have Melvin Gordon fumbling issues. He's obviously also not going to be a bell cow back. He's going to be split somehow. Um, Is Mike Boone at all worth an ad? Yes. Melvin Gordon is limited this week. There is 100% chance Mike Boone is the starter this week. It's not the best matchup against the Colts, but Shaquille Barrett, came back from injury and left the game with injury again. They're not the, you know, elite defense we were hoping for because they're just banged up. 
Uh, so I do think Mike Boone is startable. Like he's going to be a guy that's also going to be up there with Algier, probably not as much as Algier. Um, but I'm compare him to a guy you did put in your article, Naeem Hines or mm-hmm. Mike Boone. They're both kind of like this week only, maybe potentially a little bit more down the line, just because they might try to relieve some of the, you know, carry on Jonathan Taylor. And they both play on Thursday, which makes it very interesting. And with Melvin Gordon, you know, banged up, I would give the nod to Mike Boone over Naeem Hines for this week. Um, but the actual fan question we got was Mike Boone or Tyler Algier or Algier. I'm going to say different all season long, but I would have to go with Algier for this one just because I think you get longer term value, even though Mike Boone might be a better play this week in particular. See, I don't know if it's just us having gone through these situations where like Mike Boone has burned us, the story that Tyler told us last week, for example, thinking that Mike Boone is going to kind of slide through to like a second round of waivers. There's still a chance he does because he's technically not the starter. Melvin Gordon's still the name there. Um, But I would definitely, if you're a Javante Williams owner, go out there and try to get an Algier for this week or for the long term and then try to get Boone on your second round of waivers. That's kind of like your, oh, then I'm going to go and snag the second guy on that offense and that split. Try to, you know, handcuff yourself in a way. Um, but if you're looking for a single week play, I actually disagree with Cody. I like Naheem Hines better than Mike Boone as long as Jonathan Taylor doesn't go, especially for the pass catching aspect, where I know Mike Boone is more of a pass catching back there too, but Naheem Hines should get more work in the passing game than a, uh, Mike Boone would. Which I don't know if. Jonathan Taylor will go or won't go. I have a feeling he will go, but yeah, that's what the does... buzz was. That's why I said Mike Boone over Naeem Hines because the buzz is Taylor will go this week. But if Taylor's limited and they say he's probably going to be on a snap count, are you still starting Boone over Naeem Hines? I would still start Boone over Naeem Hines if Gordon is out. Like I said, yeah, it, it could be a bigger play this week because Gordon is also hurt. And he left the game. He was limited. And it's a neck injury. And those are always kind of crazy on which way they're going to go. So if Melvin Gordon's back, I don't, I wouldn't play Mike Boone at all. But if Melvin Gordon is not there and they're out Javante Williams, I would think they would go with the guy, Mike Boone, who's been in the system the whole offseason. And then they'll start looking at splits and other guys on the 10-day break. Yeah, I'm well, pretty sure Cody get... and I are saying the same thing. It's just I was thinking in the aspect of JT's not going to play, and he was thinking in the aspect of he was. That's all it is. Correct. And if you don't get Mike Boone, if you don't get Algier, 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 however you want to pronounce it, whatever Cody's going to say, if you don't get one of those guys, you're in a deeper league and you're desperate to pick up a running back, one final guy I can say you can look at is Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I, I mean, CEH is really implanting himself in that offense, but – Pacheco definitely was utilized. Um, He had 11 rushing attempts this week, um, which is great value. Um, He had 63 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt um, against the number one rushing defense in the league. That's, that's solid use. He's definitely getting looked at more in the Kansas city chiefs offense. I'm not saying pick up Pacheco and put him in your lineup immediately. He's not that guy, but if CEH start, CEH gets hurt, or if the Chiefs are able to get Pacheco in the lineup even more, um, he's going to get more value. So why not snag him before the value takes off? But again, this isn't somebody that you're dropping a big player to go get. It's not a huge target. It's just somebody you're getting if, you know, you have an empty spot and you don't like the other guys or you're in a deeper league. uh, Those are the leagues you're going to look at this guy. One other guy in that same exact situation as Tyler just said that I like from the same game, Rashad White. Is that what you're going to say, Cody? No, I, I just think it's I, – I was laughing because we have a rundown with all these players that we put out, and yep. you guys keep adding, which is great. I love the <laughs> yeah. the, the spontaneity. Wow. Can you guys Spon- – Yeah, I'm not even going to try to say that word. That one's all you. Um... I, and I, but I hit it. I nailed it. That's impressive for yeah. me. Almost as impressive how many guys we're pulling from. But Rashad White, yeah, he did get a lot of work, and he got a lot of pass-catching options that Leonard Fournette didn't. Now, Leonard Fournette did get the touchdown at the end of the game. He finally mm-hmm. got back in there. Uh, but Rashad White, a rookie, we're now a month into the season. He could be another guy like Pacheco. You're not adding to start. You're adding on potential. And those are the kind of guys that we've talked about before. 
not every league is different. Sometimes players lock and you can't drop them even if they're on your bench in some leagues. Sometimes if they're on your bench, you can drop them. Sometimes you can't pick up players after the one o'clock game on Sunday. But if you're in a league where it allows you to drop your bench players, you know, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, they're often playing at the second or the later window or night games or prime time because of their top teams. Maybe you want to pick up, you know, maybe you pick up Mike Boone and he does absolutely nothing this week. You turn around and cut him for Rashad White and potentially get ahead for next week, uh, next week's waiver wires. So make sure you're working the waiver wires because that's where you win. Uh, that's how you make the biggest improvements on your team, and that's how you win a fantasy championship. And our minds can just keep going with these guys because we're always, you know, trying to make those moves like Cody was just talking about. We have to talk trades instead. So why don't we move on to a little buy low, sell high. Well, I'm going to start with the buy low category here, guys. Actually, I'm going to pass it off to Tyler to start it because it's something we've talked about a little bit in the last segment. So let's keep wrapping up with these Colts, Tyler. Yeah, uh, my buy low is Jonathan Taylor. Now, if you have a, you know, expert, veteran, really intelligent uh, manager out there who has Jonathan Taylor, um, we have a guy in our league of record who calls himself the fantasy godfather who has Jonathan Taylor. He's not going to give him up. I mean, you could try trading whatever you want. He's not going to give him <laughs> up. Um, but not every league has that. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier this week that was like, you know what? That's it. I'm done with Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to try to trade him this week. And I was just wishing I was in that guy's league because Jonathan Taylor is a first overall pick. This is a guy that is, you know, one of the best, man, I feel like Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy that, man, (laughs) it's terrible, but here's a guy that was the number one overall pick. He's a solid running back last year. He dominated leagues. He won championships single-handedly for people um, this isn't the kind of guy that you give up on. Um, but he is really struggling to get anything going. I mean, he had 20 carries against the Titans and only had about 40 yards. Um, he also is now banged up a little bit and questionable. I mean, he got benched at the end of the last game. Was it because of his play? Was it because of the injury? Who knows? But either way, this is a guy that people are getting frustrated with. You give a first overall pick for Jonathan Taylor and he's not giving you any points, like suddenly you start offering him maybe a third or fourth round guy that is performing above expectations. Um, Maybe you're able to swing it and then you're able to win later on down the year. It is also worth noting that yes, Jonathan Taylor really struggled this week, but something I didn't know is in four starts against the Tennessee Titans in his career. uh, Jonathan Taylor has never broken a hundred yards. Not once (laughs) Titans have his number. He really struggles against the Titans. Um, and this past game against the Titans was the worst game of his entire career um, in yards per attempt or yards per carry. So I don't expect that kind of thing to continue. He's going to bounce back from this. Go get Jonathan Taylor cheap while you can. Yeah. And, and I just want to follow up with Tyler said cheap, but don't think you're going to go ahead and be like, okay, I'm going to trade you Tyler Al- Algier for Jonathan Taylor. Like that's, that's not going to work. You're going to have to give up probably your top running back and maybe, you know, one of these flyer wide receivers, like you're going to have to give up some capital because he was the number one pick, but this is probably the lowest he'll be maybe next week. If he doesn't play, you might be able to still consider him, but right now be one of the lowest opportunities you can probably get Jonathan Taylor. So you might want to take advantage of, and that kind of plays into exactly with my guy too. Uh, another, you know, low end first round middle tier, second round pick running back, Alvin Kamara, now you do still have, always in the back of your mind, will something ever come of what happened at the Pro Bowl last year that might take him out the fantasy season? But look at Alvin Kamara. He hasn't played the last two weeks. And this week he was supposed to play, and in 85% of the leagues he was started, and he was a last late-minute or last-minute inactive when inactives came out an hour and a half before the game, which would have been at 8 a.m. Eastern time. So a lot of people didn't have didn't wake up early enough or forgot that there was a 9-30 game and didn't change them. So they're going to have that burn. Like, I can't believe he was in my lineup. That's 85% of people that might be willing to trade Alvin Kamara. Again, you're probably going to have to go up something decent. Not as much to get Jonathan Taylor, but here's another guy you can expect. If he's, once he gets back, he's going to be a part of that offense. He's going to put up points. He's probably not going to have a lower value than he does right now. Exactly. I am in three NFL.com fantasy leagues that Alvin Kamara was started 
And in all three of those leagues, the team that started Kamara is projected to win. I find that absolutely insane. That is that just shows why fantasy is so unpredictable. unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely insane. But I mean, especially also if you're in a PPR, you can go out there and get Alvin Kamara, someone who's involved in the pass game, really cheap. That's a great buy low candidate, and there's no time he's going to be cheaper than when he just frustrated a bunch of people playing in London. So I'm with that one. I have a buy low here to wrap us up on this part, and that's DJ Moore. A lot of people are super upset with DJ Moore right now. But you got to think they traded for Baker Mayfield really late in the process. Like he's probably still learning the offense to an extent and doesn't have as much of a rapport with these wide receivers because he didn't get a chance to work with them through all the way through training camp. And I think that kind of shows with where DJ Moore is the perfect example of a guy who's getting a lot of looks and just not been able to turn it into anything yet. Six targets in the first three weeks. He only caught three, three and one of them. So that hopefully is going to go up. Like normally you see people like if they had six targets, they catch four or five balls and then three and one is ridiculous. And then this past week, barely caught 50%, 11 targets, six catches. Much better with the six catches, but 11 targets. If you can get a guy with 11 targets on a buy low, I think you're doing really well. He's someone I'm starting to look at. Yeah, and I think you can't rule out the rumblings that, he might be a guy that's moved at the trade deadline. I know they did just give him a contract extension, but there has been some rumblings that he's not happy. The team's not happy. And one team that's linked to him is the Kansas city chiefs. I'm not saying it's going to happen come the mm-hmm. trade deadline, but if it does and you can get DJ Moore, who would fit very nicely into that chief's offense, it's, it's worth the ad, but like George said, he's already seen the uptick in targets. Now, he's never had a great catch percentage in his career. It's always been around 60%, but it's at 44% right now. So he got 15% worth of catches to come up on, and hopefully Baker Mayfield finally turns it around. So I do really like the DJ Moore ad as well. Yeah, it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's one of those go-figure moments in sports, like <laughs> – you know, go figure when the Dodgers got Freddie Freeman. Go figure when the Patriots got Stephon Gilmore. Go figure when you see the Bucks signed Julio Jones. Like, it's one of those go figure moments. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs go out and just get, like, a stud wide receiver um, and just make him into who he's supposed to be when they're already doing really well. You're finally hoping that the Chiefs have a down year because they don't have any receivers, and then they're just crushing people, so... And then they get a guy like DJ Moore. It is possible. It would be a go figure moment. Um, but either way, uh, those are our buy low candidates. Those are the guys you're going to go out there and try to trade for because you're getting them below what their actual value is. Um, but now we need to move on to our sell high. Who are the guys that you're trying to get rid of on your team? Um, I'll go ahead and start us off. I got Jamal Williams running back for the Detroit lions. Now, um, this one's a strange one because it, it sounds like a um obviously you're gonna try to sell Jamal Williams because he's a backup. But listen, even as a backup, he was killing it in the first two weeks. And even as a backup, he is currently ranked as running back three in fantasy. Running back three in half point PPR leagues. Like that's crazy. Um now you can find some teams out there that are really desperate for running backs. See the production he was putting up even with Swift there. See the production he's putting up now with Swift not there. Um, and think, you know what? This guy's going to carve out a permanent role, kind of like a a Tony Pollard or an AJ Dillon or a Kareem Hunt, like one of those guys where he's going to permanent carve out a permanent role in the offense, even when the starter comes back. But the thing you got to keep in mind is Jamal Williams. A big reason why he had so much value in those first few weeks when Swift was there was the touchdowns. Now he had uh, basically Swift would get him all the way down the field and Jamal Williams would score the touchdowns. I don't like rostering people. Well, not rostering people. I don't like starting people that are touchdown dependent, unless you're in a league that touchdowns are way more valuable than yards. I don't like that. I don't want to have to bank on the fact you're going to get a touchdown. So Jamal Williams is probably at the highest value he may ever be at. Um, Maybe next week he will you know, raises value a little bit more, but either way, see if you can find a guy who just lost Javante Williams or a guy who just lost Corderell Patterson and is, you know, really looking tight at that running back position and see if you can get some good value out of a backup running back in Jamal Williams. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the touchdowns. He has two touchdowns in three or four games. That's that's already six on the season. That's why he's so high. Um, I think only he will one have a role. I saw keep up that pace before, and it was James Conner last year. I don't see it happening again right away. But James Conner was very similar to what Tyler is saying, too, though. Like, they had Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds would do a lot of in-between-the-20s incomes. James Conner, fresh, gets him in the end zone. So I think he'll be relevant all season, but I 100% agree. He's not going to get much um, more valuable. And again, that's kind of where I'm at with my guy, who's wide receiver, Hollywood Brown from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he's off to a pretty good start. It's not a surprise. Like, it doesn't feel like a great start. I feel like there's a lot of fantasy players we are expecting more from. But in half-point PPR, he has scored just about 10 points or more in every week. The only week he didn't was at 9.8. So I'm going to give him credit for getting to 10, even though he didn't quite make it. And we're now two weeks away from DeAndre Hopkins returning. Now, he has a really good matchup this week, so you might even want to hang off as he does. No, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the schedule wrong because it wasn't updated on my screen. This week is a terrible matchup. He had he played the Panthers last week. He has the Philadelphia Eagles this week. I know Darius Slay got hurt. I know Avante Maddox got hurt, but they seem to have avoided long-term injury, and some of them might be able to be back there. And this Eagles defense is legit. So I would really hate to see, you know, you not be able to take advantage of these four good weeks from Hollywood Brown. He has a really down week. And then all the hype about, oh, Hollywood Brown had a down week. Don't worry. DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. So I think the value to trade Hollywood Brown is right now, but he's also not a guy that I'd go out and give away. Like he'll have value all season long. So try to find an upgrade. Maybe he's a part of a two for one to get a star player. Uh, but I, so I think he'll have value the rest of the season, but now is the time to trade him if you're going to do so. I feel like he is the guy, if you've been listening to us since our mock drafts preseason, you, if you drafted him, you drafted him waiting for this exact moment. The moment where you're right before DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back. He just came off of a good game and you're going to try to sell him because you know, he's going to be talented the rest of the season, but not as high as he is now. So this is definitely the prime spot to trade Hollywood Brown before he potentially goes into a tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, who is where my sell high candidate comes from. And it's Miles Sanders. I like Miles Sanders a season long as well, but this is the only time in his career. I could even maybe say ever, and maybe in the future ever that Miles Sanders is going to get 27 rushing attempts. Number one, if he keeps getting 27 rushing attempts, I don't see any way he gets through four weeks. That's just the kind of, he's not the, he's not built to be a running back that can shoulder that kind of load. Also, is he going to get 27 rushing attempts when he's averaging like 55% of the Eagles offensive snaps? Like he's going to be good the rest of the year. He could be an RB2 solid flex guy in your lineup pretty much every single week, but he's currently now running back eight after that performance, putting up 28.6 last week. This is the absolute highest Miles Sanders value is going to be. Yeah, I'm frustrated because I had Miles Sanders in quite a few leagues the last few years, and every year I'm like, all right, Miles Sanders, good value. He's got to be good this year, right? And they just don't use him. Um, And then this year, I finally didn't go after Miles Sanders, and I played against him in pretty much every single league this week, and he (laughs) just killed me. Um, and the Eagles were like, Hey, we're going to run the ball. Like I hate you Eagles. I hate you so much. Um, and I always will, but yeah, no, Miles Sanders, definitely a good sell high candidate. Cause the Eagles are a crapshoot when it comes to trying to figure out who's going to get the points. Um, they have so many mouths to feed. You got Devonte Smith with big weeks. You got, uh, you know, Kenny Gainwell is always in there getting some points. You got AJ Brown, you got, Dallas Goddard, you got randomly Boston Scott will get something. You got randomly um, Kenny oh, man, Gainwell got a touchdown this week. Kenny Gainwell did get a touchdown this week. I'm trying to think of some of the other crapshoot people. Oh, Quez Watkins will Quez randomly Watkins. get a seventy-yard touchdown out of nowhere. Like <laughs> they have so many mouths to feed. Jalen Hurts is going to run in half the touchdowns. Um, so that takes away a lot of rushing touchdowns for Miles Sanders. It's the same as a running back on the Ravens. Like you know, it's a a good offense, you want to have the running back, but you know when they get close to the goal line, instead of running it in with the running back, like most teams do, Lamar's just going to take it in. And it's the same with the Eagles. Like, you get close to the end zone, it's Jalen Hurts rushing it in. I have a first touchdown bet on Jalen Hurts almost every week, and it almost always hits. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely somebody you can try to trade for value. Like George said, he's not going to get 27 carries again. So um, trade him while he has his highest value. This might be your best time. I agree. Uh, but that's some good trade candidates. If you have some other guys you want to move from your roster and need some help on what their value is, feel free to reach out. But before we go, let's do a quick TNF preview. Thursday Night Football is going to take us to Denver, where the Indianapolis Colts will travel to the Denver Broncos. And as much as I see Tyler's reaction of, oh, great, Denver, it could even be worse because Russell Wilson did hurt his shoulder on Sunday and is listed as unofficially questionable going into Thursday Night Football. So a sputtering offense down Javante Williams, potentially down Melvin Gordon, potentially down Russell Wilson. This could be one heck of an interesting game if you're any that owns a denver bronco broncos country let's ride yeah i think this game in general has is probably the most disappointing thursday night game i mean we've we've had some pretty good ones uh maybe pittsburgh cleveland but that's rivalry this one that is game just, ended up being pretty good not gonna lie. that's what i'm saying so maybe i'll be completely wrong um but yeah and there's not like i don't think this will be a week with a lot of fantasy impact obviously if jonathan taylor goes you're gonna play him like there's even if he's limited there's not enough running backs that are as talented or can put up the points even limited that he can uh if melvin gordon goes you're probably gonna play him especially if you lost Devonte williams like russell wilson is still scary i know he kind of had a, a decent week this past week but it it didn't look great in the first half and he finally got stuff going but you mentioned the shoulder so what are you doing with Russell Wilson? That's a tough one. And then you got the wide receivers for Denver. Do you like Sutton or Jerry Judy better? I'm going to say Sutton. Sutton. George is going to say Sutton. Tyler probably say Judy just because he never Sutton. agrees with this. Oh, he's on he's the Sutton. Sutton. Oh, I'm on the Sutton, Sutton bandwagon. Yeah. Shut it down. All right, I'm going hey, Judy. Time out. Actually, <laughs> actually. Is Sutton still a guy if it's Brett Rippin, ripping the ball out there? I, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, he has to be, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, feel I like think if you so, have but... Cortland Sutton putting up the kind of points he is this year, unless you were absolutely blessed with a really deep roster, I feel like you you kind of have to um, run him out there. Like yeah, if I feel it's like Brett Rippin, and it's you know I'm choosing between uh, Garrett Wilson or Cortland Sutton, then I might be considering it, or you know even like a Drake London. Like I might think about it, but I feel like you still got to roll Sutton. Yeah, I think I think you know it's similar to like Brandon Cooks. Like, he's on a bad team, but he is the number one guy. You never feel great about playing him, but he's just somehow still gets points. And if Brett Rippon's out there, that's how I feel about Cortland Sutton. But if Rippon's out there, I would not play Jerry Judy. I don't love Jerry Judy in this matchup anyways, but I'd feel better about it if Russell Wilson was there. And then there's really no tight ends to talk about because one of them catches a tight, I, I catch one week, the other one catches a catch the next week. Yeah, so I, so I wanted to talk much. about that. For the tight ends for the Colts, I mean, you had Jelani Woods out there like putting up ridiculous points in week three, and everybody rushed to the waiver wire for him. And then in week four, you have Mo Ali Cox getting a ton of yards, ton of targets, and two touchdowns. Is there either of these tight ends that you feel comfortable with moving forward? Now, before you just flat out say no, because they're inconsistent, Like you got to think, the tight end position is weak. The tight end position is tough. And a lot of times we are looking at the tight end dartboard. And if you were somebody that threw the dart and hit Jelani Woods or Mo Ali Cox at the right time in week two or uh, week three or four, you probably won your matchup because they did that well compared to every other tight end. So you can't just completely discredit them, but they are sketchy because they're inconsistent. Um, So either of these tight ends you like? Not this week. Because Denver hasn't been able to move the ball on offense. We feel like they're a bad team because of that. But their defense has actually been solid. So I'm taking them off the dartboard for now. But you're not wrong. Both of them have some small space on the dartboard because of how they've been doing. So, yeah, I I see where you're going from. All right. And I'm just going to share my super weird fantasy superstition. But I know all kinds of people have them. Unless they're an elite tight end, I will not stream a tight end on Thursday Night Football. Because I would hate to be on Thursday 
have a zero or a two or something like that. I just feel like it's a bad start to my week. So I don't like to stream tight ends on unless they're, you know, elite guys or, you know, this is the worst team against tight ends and he's like a mid-tier. For example, like if Dawson Knox was on Thursday and he was playing the Detroit Lions, okay, well, that one might be a worse streaming because we talk about how bad the Lions defense is and how good Dawson Knox can be. But I, I pers- we're superstition. I know don't like to play quarterback or tight ends on Thursday night football. And then Michael Pittman is the other guy we're talking about. Um, absolutely dominated in the first couple weeks, missed the week, and then last week was completely shut down and um, borderline unusable. Are, are we still trusting him moving forward? I know we talked about how good the Broncos' defense is. Do you still just throw Pittman in your lineup and forget about it, or do we have any fears here? I'm still throwing Pittman out there. If I can still throw Cortland Sutton out there, I'm still throwing Michael Pittman out there. It was divisional coming off of an injury. Obviously, it's a short week, um, but he's talented enough, and he is, again, the number one guy. So I'd roll him out there. I'm with Cody. On a rare occurrence. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's uh, just about everybody worth mentioning in this matchup. All righty. Well, I think that would be a good place to wrap up uh, this episode. So as always, thanks for listening. And of course, if you have any questions about who should you pick up on your waiver wire, uh, maybe you have a trade and you're afraid to hit send or you're afraid to hit accept and you want us to look it over first, absolutely send it our way. We want to help. We want to help you win a fantasy championship and we can't help you unless you come to us and give us those questions. Either way, this podcast is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is Tyler, and thank you all one more time for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all later this week. Oh.